worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd You know what that means? It's time for another new episode of the It's Canon Podcast. As always, I'm your host, I'm Boris, and this week I am joined by no one. It's just me, it's Boris, Boris talking to a mic, and uh, thank you for joining us, thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, thank you for giving me and Phil and Tyler the time of your day to listen, enjoy, hopefully, and, you know, partake in the It's Canon podcast, the show where we talk about all things everything pop culture, the show where we talk about all things video games, comic books, toys, uh, books, Muppets, Legos, and we always have the interview, and that best part of everything is that it's all in canon, so this week, we're changing things up a little bit. For this special episode, and a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Jamil Barbar from The Barbar Show. You can find his podcast everywhere. He'll let you know where you can find it at the end of our interview. And um, it was a fun interview. You know, uh, we're trying new things here on the show. We want to really expand. You know, it's crazy to think that five, six years ago now, we started off in early April 2015, and we were just talking about comic books. Just comic book news. We were giving you our ratings. We were giving you our thoughts. You know, and it was crazy to think. And as much as I love comic books and talking about comic books, I really wanted to expand the show. So we took a brief hiatus in 2016. When we came back, we kind of rebranded as the the, the the Everything Geek Show. And that was a lot of fun. And then, again, you know, as, as, as real life took over, and both Tyler and I kind of... Uh, you know, we're incredibly busy. We um, took a couple months, years almost, and you know, we've 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 relaunched the show here and there. And then in 2020, Phil came on board, and what I really wanted to do was be the pop culture podcast for everyone. A little bit of here, a little bit of that, a little dash of of something a sprinkling of something else and that's basically what the show is so i know that we really vary in the subjects that we talk about but i hope that you know it kind of expands the world for you as it's expanding the world for us and i really love just talking about different things um you know so i hope that everyone is enjoying as much as i am um but i'm having a blast doing this show for everyone and um you know one of the things that i really wanted to do was kind of have one-on-one interviews with people so from time to time we're going to get a special that just has one of us either myself phil or tyler and we're just going to talk about 
random things. We're going to have some thoughts. We're going to have an interview. And this is one of those episodes. So, you know, uh, in this interview with Jamil Barbar, we're going to be talking about life. We're going to be talking about stonks. We're going to be talking about social media. We're going to be talking about the future, the different ways, generations of you, money and savings and the way that you should live life. And at the end of the day, you do you. You know, that's really the whole point of this. But it's also to get a better education on how not everyone has the same life view as you. And it's important, super important to respect that. But, you know, the only way to respect that is to have a better understanding of how people view life, how people view money, how people view their futures, how people view their day-to-day job. Because that's the number one thing that seems to be changing, especially in the COVID-19 era, you know. Everybody's job has changed in some shape, way, or form, and we need to embrace this. We can't be stuck in our ways. We can't be, you know, um, not wanting to change with the times. That's a very slippery slope, but again, it's respecting everyone's decision to do things the way they want, so that's why I'm going to borrow a famous saying from one of my best friends, and that's Kim. And she always says, you do you, pal. And that's exactly what this is. It's you do you because at the end of the day, it's your life. But again, I'm going to stress this and I stress this a lot. It's having an understanding and respect for other people's choices. So without further ado, here's the interview with Jamil Barbar from The Barbar Show. All right, everybody. Now I am joined by Jamil Barbar, host of another podcast known as the Barber Show Podcast. Jamil, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. It means a lot to uh, take time out of what seems to be a very busy schedule. Hey, man, no no worries. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for uh, allowing me to, to, to be on your show. It was very nice of you, actually. It's uh, I think it's kind of uh, pretty cool how it all happened. You know, I just put out that tweet about <laughs> wanting to be on other people's podcasts, and then you said, hey, why don't you come on ours? That's the way it should be, um, so in my thanks. opinion. You know, podcasters <laughs> helping podcasters. You know, there's nothing better in this world than a conversation between two strangers, especially two podcasters. <laughs> like, we're helping each other out. We're having a good conversation. And by the end of this interview, I'm sure I'll be able to call you friend. And anytime I'm in El Paso, you know I'm going to ring you up. That's perfect. Yeah, look, man, we're friends already. Canadians are friendly anyway. I mean, I've never met a Canadian who's not a friendly person, which is kind of odd, really, because I feel like if you live in a place where you're constantly battling harsh, harsh weather, you'd probably be a little bit ticked off all the time. But it's like, nope, you guys are completely opposite of, say, the folks in Boston. It's like, I don't know if if you've ever been to Boston. They're not nice ever compare us to anywhere anything from boston (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) yeah my first time there i was like man these people are mean (laughs) i thought i thought i was at a restaurant i remember i thought the um the busser was getting was gonna get in a fight with me he's just giving me a mean look i'm like hey man I'm, i'm just here for some dinner I love the fact. No, it's true. It's it's people from Boston, people from Philly, people from Buffalo. You know, it's it anywhere there's snow. It's so true that they're very angry. But I love the fact that you said that all Canadians have because I know a lot of assholes. I know a lot of dicks. I can be an asshole too. So it's kind of funny that like you know universally we are known as um, you know the the nice people. Uh, but let me tell you, there's 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 it's, that's not generally speaking, especially where I'm from. Um, you know, I'm from Toronto, so that's like the New York mm. City of of Canada. And the big joke is that you know everyone 
from Toronto thinks that they're the center of the universe, even though it's true. Like, let's be honest here. If it wasn't for Toronto, but I'm, I'm joking. But, you know, it's it's kind of funny <laughs> that, like, that's the perception, especially I find the further south you go, um, that's really what they think. So, like, originally, I'm from Los Angeles. I was born in L.A. I moved here when I was super oh, young. God. So I'm basically more Canadian than anything else. But um, when I go home to L.A., it's like, you know, number one, I'm known as the Canadian. Um, then it's kind of like, you know, South Park jokes. Uh, and then they say, it's like, why is everyone so nice? Um, but the one thing I have noticed is that I do apologize for everything. Like, I will bump into you mm. and I will apologize. Mm. Yeah, you might be suffering from what's called chronic niceness. <laughs> you familiar with that? <laughs> I am so happy no, there's we're a, there's recording a, there's... this because I'm going to play this back to all my friends and my mom and... <laughs> Uh, there's a book actually that, uh, I borrowed from a friend of mine who's a counselor and gosh, I I do not remember the title of the book. I mean, I could grab it. It's, it's over here, but, uh, it talks about chronic niceness and how people always apologize for everything. And actually one thing that sort of, uh, peeves me as I'm going uh, out, uh, you know, as I'm going about my day and I'm, I'm a business to business sales rep like yourself. And so I'm in and out of a lot of buildings and rubbing shoulders with a lot of people. And it's just like, you know, like I'll give you an example to be more specific. You're about to enter an elevator. The door opens up. The person that's coming out of the elevator goes, I'm sorry. I'm like, what are you apologizing for? I don't own this elevator. Like, what, what are you What are you sorry for? You didn't do anything. You're, you're trying to exit the elevator. I'm trying to enter the elevator. It's an equal feel here. Like, nobody needs to apologize to anybody. Excuse me would be acceptable. That's fine if you want to. Have uh, if you want to display good manners. I mean, everybody loves good manners. Excuse yeah. me, be fine. Or you know, if you're from Boston, get the hell out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it talks about in that book. It's really interesting about people who apologize incessantly and for no reason. Like if you're not at fault, I tell people don't apologize. Yeah, it's it's it, that, and I think that's a really good thing because even I've noticed, like you know, personally speaking, like I apologize a lot, and like past the regular day stuff i'm talking about like you know in relationships and friendships i noticed that i'm always the apologizer so it's kind of like you know it's kind of like it's like built into me and i know it's an issue i know it's an issue uh but it's something that i'm like you know i've i've seen in myself and i'm trying to really change but you know going back to that elevator example um and what i've noticed here in canada and what i'm noticing more is that we use i'm sorry more as excuse me or kind of like you know breaking the ice type thing um we don't we're not actually apologizing it's more something to say to be courteous more than anything else true true yeah it's uh the issue with it is that it's insincere i don't mean to pick on you i'm sorry no no no, no, it's great i love it (laughs) uh the book actually i just grabbed it off the shelf it's called anxious to please uh, seven revolutionary revolutionary practices for the chronically nice. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna hook you up with my friend. You guys can do a Skype podcast. She can counsel you. <laughs> I'm I would love that. I would love that. Honestly, as soon as you said the book title, I'm like, was that book written for me? <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Well, you know, maybe maybe I am uh, chronically a dick. I don't know. You know it's, it's, it could, you it could go both Texas, ways, right? <laughs> I should I should read. There's probably a corollary to this book that's like revolutionary practices for the chronically, uh, for the chronically jerks. Yeah, for that, the chronic that, douche. That's, for the, yeah, for the chronic douche. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've I've lived in Texas for about half my life. I'm originally from the Middle East, so um, 
my family's from Lebanon, but I was born and raised in Dubai. And so really, you know, when people ask me where's home, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint a location because I spent, you know, year round I was in Dubai, but in the summers, my family would go to Lebanon to escape the, the, uh, what seems like interminable Dubai heat. And, uh, of course, you know, I came to Texas, El Paso, Texas at age roughly 14 and I've been here ever since I'm 28 now. So, you know, I've spent half my life in the middle East, half my life here. Wow. That, that, that's quite the journey from, from, from extremely hot to hot to pretty damn dry and hot. (laughs) (laughs) To pretty damn hot. Yeah. Still hot, just not humid. Which I mean, Hey man, I'll, I'll take it. You know, we're, uh, especially with my job now going out and about all day, you don't want to be just sweating in your suit. Like, um, a colleague of mine in Florida, uh, he packs about five shirts in his car on a regular work day and just switches them out throughout the day. And I'm like, dude, your dry cleaning bill must be outrageous. Like, I don't like that. That just sounds, is there a bonus? Like, do you, can you expense that? I'm like, that just oh. sounds crazy. But Hey, um, I want to ask you this. What, um, what got you into sales? Got me into sales. So, I am a developer by trade. I was a developer for a medical device company. Then I was a developer at uh, BlackBerry. When I was at BlackBerry, that's when I, you know, I I was bored. I'm a good developer. I like it, but I I always need change. So that's when I got into project management. And then from project management, I went into kind of uh, product ownership and, you know, the the higher level project management and stuff like that. Um, And then I went to kind of consulting, technical consulting, deployments, like system deployments. Um, And then, not that I was bored, but I found that, you know, at that point I was doing a lot of travel for work, talking to customers. Mm. That was the part of the job I really liked the most was, you know, I get bored easily. So having a new issue, having something new come up every day, I'm like, I, I, I can I can do this. I can talk to people. I like talking to people. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I like the technical stuff. I can actually speak their language. And, you know, the, they're very receptive that because I am a developer and project manager, like we can connect on that level, right? So when right. my company decided to start a new department, um, I was just asked, hey, do you want to become, you know, do you want to start and lead the customer success department? And I'm like, hell yes. You know, I, I didn't really think about it too much. Like, it was crazy. Like, before they even finished the call, I knew what my answer was going to be. I bided my time, but I kind of knew where I wanted to go. So that's how I got into sales. Um, and, and I love it. Like, it's a lot of travel, but it's something new every day. I get to see the product actually being used. I get to talk to, you know, in one day, I'll be talking to three or four Fortune 500 companies. I'll be talking to startups. I'll be talking to companies around the world. Um, you know, obviously, my job has changed a lot within the past year because of the pandemic sure. and everything. But, you know, at the very least, I still have the opportunity to talk to all these different companies and it's so much fun um so that's the uh the the, the long answer of how i got into sales mm-hmm. that's that's good stuff man you've uh worn a lot of hats it sounds like that's i mean but um, exactly you're, you're so, doing yeah it's one of those things like you know through our twitter conversations one of the things i asked was what do you want to talk about and i think we're both easy going um but you know one of the things that really struck me was the fact that you want to talk about uh, kind of like you know uh, careers and money money and 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 that 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 journey right because you know 
even though that I'm I'm the typical nine to five guy, I've kind of built my own journey in the way that I wanted to, right? Um, and I find that people and kind of our age group, like I'm 35 now, and I find that people, you know, around our ages are kind of doing that and, and kind of building our own journey. We're not doing it the conventional way that like our older siblings or our, or our parents did it, right? Um, and it's kind of that freedom that I really like and it's that freedom that I need. Like I've been working from home for five years. I don't want to change that. I like the freedom it gives me. If I have an appointment to go to, I'm going to go to that appointment. I don't want someone telling me, no, you're not allowed. You know, the fact right. that... I know people who work in these office jobs and it's so restrictive. Like to me, it's just like, it's, it's super weird. So I've been lucky to work in companies that are kind of uh, forward thinkers in that sense and kind of give you that, that those opportunities, which, you know, you can't really find, but you know, I just find that like, it's the, that unconventional way of, of, of doing your thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, office jobs are a death knell. They're, they're incredibly stressful. They're, um, you're, you're basically trading your life for a paycheck. Yeah. That's, that's really how I look at work. And I like what you said about, you know, older siblings taking a more traditional route. Cause that describes me perfectly. My oldest sister is a doctor. Uh, my second oldest sister has a master's degree, although now she's, uh, she's in, um, sort of in device sales. She actually joined Medtronic. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, they're uh, one of my customers. <laughs> oh, really? Nice. Yeah, the, nice. In the mini, Minneapolis there. Nice, nice. Uh, for me, though, it, it's it's always been about there, there's got to be more to life than what all the adults around me repeated to me over and over as a child, right? And I, I hated that message, that message of go to school, get a job, save some money, retire, die. You know, go to school, get a job like that. Well, they wouldn't say die. That was just sort of inferred. Yeah. But uh, it's like, it's like, well, there's got to be more to life than that. You know, I don't, I don't like that. That just seems so restrictive. And so I've always been more of a free thinker. And I thought like, so my answer to why I got into sales is very simple. It's the quickest way to make the most money. I got out of college and I said, well, how do I start making money? And I'm very open when it comes to talking about financial matters. I, I don't understand why people treat it as taboo. I think more conversations to. around money. Yeah, more, more people need to be talking about money. Well, actually, I know why some people don't talk about money. It's because they failed at acquiring it. Yes. They're, they're these people who are older and they used to yearn for that life of wealth and financial freedom and they were never able to achieve it. And so now they got to a point where they're like, oh yeah, you know, uh, money, money just uh, creates headaches. You know, I have a friend who's a millionaire and oh, he's always dealing with accountants and, and, and lawyers. I say, look, I rather deal with my accountant than with my landlord for lack of payment on the rent. You know what I mean? Like which problem would you rather have? Yes. Wealthy people have stresses Poor people have stresses. Would you rather have a rich guy's problem or a poor guy's problem? It's really that simple. It's, I think people though ask the wrong question, right? So yeah. the question that is often asked is, you hear everybody talk about this. I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times. People say, does money buy happiness? And I think they're asking the wrong question. The question is not, does money buy happiness? Happiness is for the most part a choice. Once you've got your basics covered, happiness is a choice. The question should be phrased, does money reduce stress? And the answer is, Undeniably, yes. And I can tell you this from having been broke and having been, I, I don't consider myself rich yet, but I'm getting there. 
And I can tell you that like at, a, at one point in my life, almost every problem that I was dealing with was directly related to a lack of money. And it, it was just debilitating. It's stressful. It, it just kills your mood. And people tell you to think positively and you go, well, how am I going to think positively when there's nothing positive around me? I've got all these bills I'm worried about. I'm trying to trying to get a raise. I'm trying to find a better job. That's actually one of the things I love about sales is, uh, uh, let me, I'll, I'll ask you this. Uh, it's a very, uh, it's a kind of a common interview question for, for anybody interviewing for sales. How do you get, how do you get a raise as a salesman? You sell more. That's it. <laughs> you sell more. <laughs> I'm, I'm in control of that. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I like. But see, the thing is people, <clears throat> A lot of people say they want freedom, right? They fancy they 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 um they they fancy themselves an entrepreneur in just in their imagination. But really, a lot of people don't want freedom because freedom is intimidating. Everything's on your shoulders, right? So there's a meme. I don't know if you've seen it of this lion locked in a zoo, and there's a lion in the wilderness, and the lion at the zoo, while he doesn't have, he's got pretty much everything provided for him, right? He's got. Uh, he knows exactly when he's going to eat. He doesn't have to worry about shelter. He doesn't have to worry about protection. Everything's right there for him. It's a comfortable life. It's nice. The lion at the zoo doesn't have that. I mean, the lion in the wild doesn't have that. He's got to go hunt. He's got to find shelter. He's got to protect himself and his pride. But, uh, you know, of course, a lion, there's not a whole lot to worry about. But but the point is, that lion is free. And freedom comes at a cost, which is, if you're an entrepreneur and you own a business, you're going to have to go out and hunt. Whereas most people, that looks appealing to them because what they see is they see you hanging out with your buddies at 2 p.m. because you happen to have a little bit of free time during your day, but they don't know that you're doing meetings all night and on the weekend and all the other extra stuff. And so they say they want freedom, but they don't. That's why they defer to authority. And they spend their lives, just like you said, in a very predetermined, well-carved out, paved path where they know that I'm going to go down this road, I'm going to get this degree, I'm going to get that job, this is my starting pay. They spend it, you know, and if I if I work for X amount of years, I'll have this much raise. The whole thing, their entire life is planned out in front of them. And to some people, that's comforting. But so I look at that and I go, these people are spending their entire lives in, in just living in this limited lane, uh, following the rules and for what? for the privilege of a 401k or dental insurance. It's like, why don't you figure out how you can, what, what it costs to provide that for yourself and then just go out and do it. That's and exactly so, it. That's exactly it. I think that's the perfect way. It's like a lot, I find a lot of people are just kind of happy with what they have. They see it as a privilege, but they don't realize that, you know, the real privilege for me, for a lot of people, for yourself, I'm sure is time, freedom, opportunity yes. we create our own time we create our own freedom we create our own opportunity um and and the optics of that to some people who are in the nine to five um you know uh, uh ride they they see us as kind of like the loafers like oh what are they doing oh that looks like fun but then you know when it's time for them to actually try it they can't because a lot of people nope. and, and here's the thing though i think that What's important is for for people to realize that nine to five grind isn't for everyone, but mm -hmm. the grind that we do, the twenty four hour grind, 
it's not for everyone also it's really you know to each their own it's kind of like one of those yes choose yes. your own adventure books right like it's it's some people they just work better in that system and the power to them and i'm not gonna judge yes. you because you're you're in that system but don't look at my life and think that you know that 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 things come easy because chances are we're working just as hard if not harder than you because our success mm. is 100% driven by how hard we grind. Absolutely. And so, um, so people who, so, so, you know, uh, like I, I'll, again, I'll, I'll use um, my oldest sister as an example. Cause she's a doctor and you look at her life now, uh, being that she graduated and finished residency and all that, uh, about, I think it's been two and a half, three years, something like that. Her life is, is pretty good now. Right. But she's in her thirties. And so, and so I look at those first, you have to decide how much money do you need to have the life that you want? That that's step one. Once you decide that you, then you go look at, okay, what am I going to do to get there? And if you decide I need half a million dollars a year to be happy, like I have a friend who's an anesthesiologist and he's makes about half a million dollars a year. He spends every dime of it. He doesn't have kids. He's single. He spends every dime. And he goes, I don't know where $40,000 a month goes, but I spend it. And that's what it takes for me to be happy. And I go, okay, well, we can get into a, a conversation, a discussion about that, but that's besides the point. The point is he figured out, I need half a million dollars a year to be happy. What career would provide me that income? And then he went out, sought out, sought it out and, and he got it. And so for me, it was like, okay, yeah, I could take a traditional fixed route like that and I could make pretty damn good money. Uh, but what am I sacrificing in return. So I, so I, I mentioned earlier, you're trading your life for a paycheck. You to, to get to one of those careers, you have to sacrifice all of your twenties and part of your thirties at the pursuit of that career. And then you look at the life of a doctor, for example, when do they really start making money? It's after 35, right? Because you probably finish your residency by about age, I don't know, 30, 31. Yep. Uh, maybe you do a year or two of fellowship if you want to specialize in something. If you really want to make the big bucks, you have to. And then by the time you're finished paying off student debt, you're 35, 36. And then maybe you started a family because that's about the time of life where most people decide to have children. And now you've got that going on too that's that's also making your pockets bleed. And so really by the time that, you're, that you've established a solid financial foundation and you can go out and buy that sexy car or take that badass trip that you've wanted to take since you were 18 years old, <laughs> you're like 40 years old. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you don't even want to do it anymore. Maybe Hawaii is not even all that appealing after 20 years. I don't know. Right. So for me, it's like, I just try to tell young people specifically, this message is like for people who are uh, in high school or about to get out of high school is it's hard to know what you want to do at that age. It's really hard. So if you're not absolutely sure, if you're not dead set on something that you want to do, try to do something general that keep your, that keeps your options open and evaluate the return on investment that you're getting from going to college. That's something that a lot of people don't think about. They just go get a career because, again, that message has been drilled into their heads since they were little kids. They go, oh, I'm going to go to college. They get a career. They get out. You know, they've, they've – they've piled up all this student debt and they got a, you know, they've piled up maybe $60,000 of debt and they got a job that pays them $30,000 a year. Well, they're never going to get out of debt. Yep, exactly. You know, and we're seeing that right now with, 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 uh, generation Z, right? Like it's, it's so pro profound in that generation. Like, you know, go to school for four years and then what? 
get a $40,000 job and then and then pay off school and then what you know it's it's and and, and yeah. that can't help be good for people's stress like that can't be good for for going day to day with you know with uh, with with that on your shoulders then you factor in family because you know family at 25 is what you're supposed to do right so um, oh, you know if you do <laughs> what i know right if you do what you're supposed to do and what I, what i mean by that is what our parents and the the people who kind of brought us up through school and all that fun stuff if we do exactly as they've told us you know it, it can lead to a pretty stressful life and this is the thing as i said before i'm not saying that you know don't listen to people i'm saying that you have to do your job as a human to figure out what you want to do just like you said yeah. and actually go out and do it um it's it's hard work to figure out what you want to do number one and it's harder work to actually get it but you know what the hardest part is keeping that mm. yeah you know yeah. like once you I, once you yeah, have it once you get it take care of it exactly because i know a lot of people who had it and then they screwed it up and that was it you know i take even take a look at my job and and um you know it's it's i have this hybrid of the nine to five and do what i want um but you know, if, if, if I coast too long, I could easily lose it all and then some. So, you know, For sure. keeping it is, is oftentimes the hardest part. And I find, you know, taking a look back at even university, like you go to university and, um, and college and stuff like that. And, you, you know, first year, um, everyone's in school, everyone's doing stuff, everyone's partying, everyone's having fun. And then you walk into that second year class and only half the people are there because everyone else dropped mm. out you know and i find that that's where you have to start the whole just because i'm there and because i've reached this thing i have to work double double as hard to actually keep it and keep going mm -hmm. it's like going from white belt to blue belt in jujitsu exactly right that's now exactly now it. the hard work starts that's exactly it you know so so yeah so like you know it's and and some people the nine to five system works for them and the power to them, but other people, yeah, yeah. you know, you just got to do your thing. And and the thing is, like, I know some people who kind of do the 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 twenty four hour um, thing, and and they're more, I don't know. Sometimes, oftentimes, I find that you know they look down on people who do the nine to five. And I'm like, you know what? Everyone has to do their own thing. Uh, as long as you don't yep. judge some someone or people or whatever. Uh, yep just stop just you know no, that's I, the thing just like don't judge people everyone is happy everyone can be happy doing their own thing you don't need to it doesn't matter why does it matter to you what like you know joe blow down the street is doing it really shouldn't yep 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 i really i really couldn't care less if somebody's a teacher or a doctor or or or, or they're selling coke I, I mean i don't give a damn what what anybody's doing do whatever makes you happy i don't care you know like <laughs> it's it's whatever find your path and i mean that's that's uh it's 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 that simple i know what i want and i go after it and uh that's it and you know what one of the things about like um um especially uh well first of all i'm glad you mentioned generation what's it called zed z zed. Z. do you say <laughs> zed in canada yeah we do it's zed up here okay okay so like that rapper is jz <laughs> <laughs> uh that's cool 
Well, in, in Dubai, because we're um, schools there are uh, they followed a European system, so it was also Zed. When I came over here, I said Zed, and everybody looked at me weird. I'm like, I'm like, you guys are weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Anytime um, I, I, because I do a lot of like uh, writing on whiteboards and stuff when I'm at customer sites, and I always, anytime I ha- I put Zed down, I said Zed, I say Zed, and they're like, they look at me weird. It's like they don't know what I, they literally do not know what I mean. It's like in front of them. It's like it's one little thing. Come on, guys. <laughs> Yeah, perhaps these people need a little bit of uh, cultural exposure. Maybe they oh, ought yeah. to take a trip every now and then. Just remember, there we're dealing with engineers and whatnot, so sometimes, sometimes it's a little tough. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I found out recently that cigars are called fags in uh, in Britain. I think. Yep. Yep. The I'm common like, term is I'm smoking like, a fag. You know, and that can be yeah. interpreted horribly <laughs> outside of Britain. So. What's that? I said it could be interpreted horribly outside of Britain, so you have to be very careful. Oh, oh, for sure, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, no, so the thing about like I'm I'm a millennial and Generation Z. The thing about sort of our age group is we're at the at the at the tip of this technological revolution with all the social media and all these really revolutionary ways to not only make money but to obtain possibly obscene wealth. At a very young age, and nothing angers an older, harder working person more than some 18 year old who's making a million dollars a year doing TikTok videos. <laughs> like they get so mad because it's one of those things like it's it's nobody gets mad if you're 68 years old and you're worth 10 million dollars, right? Because it's like, okay, you've worked hard for a long time and now you're reaping the 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 fruits of your labor. But if you're 18 years old um, and you, you're already worth $10 million, boy, that makes people angry because <laughs> like, you're, you're young and you have money. Like you have money and time. And so people like there's a common saying you can have money or time, but you can't have them at the same time. And so if you defy that rule, it doesn't sit well <laughs> with a lot of people. I think it's hilarious. But to that point, I uh, – that's actually one of the reasons why I started a podcast and I became more active on social media in recent months. Uh, but I tell young people, I, I, I talked about this just on my, on my last episode. Um, if your parents don't understand how a hashtag works, you might not want to take career advice from them. Exactly. You got to keep up with the time, but also there's an important point to make, uh, which is, a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs and 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 uh, 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 influencers and you know whatever other label you could use to uh, to basically describe somebody who sits at home and takes a few selfies a day and makes lots of money. That's what they think that life is. And um, I, I tweeted recently, you know, especially the title influencer. I think that one's kind of comical. And uh, sometimes, you know, I like to stir shit up on my social media. And so I tweeted recently, influencer is the new synonym for unemployed. It recently took over realtor and entrepreneur. Love it. So there, there's all these there's all these unemployed. I can't tell you how many unemployed people I've met who are like, hey, Ben, you know, what, what do you do? Oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm trying to become a realtor. Uh, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I have, a, I have an online business. It's like, no, you have a website. That's that's different from an online business. You haven't sold anything yet. You just yeah. have a website. <laughs> like, yep. That's completely different. 
and it's a grind, man. Like I, I don't know what, what, what kind of setup you have in your studio and what the, uh, investment for you was, but, but no, you know, at the very least it was, it was a good amount, whatever it was, it's a good amount, right? Yep. You actually spent and you invested on this equipment. I know for me, it costed me quite a bit because I wanted to put out a good product. I wanted to get good equipment. I don't like, I don't like that mentality of, um, that's, that's part of the reason why, um, I, I have no doubt that I will be wealthy someday because I don't compromise. If I want something, I find a way to get it. I don't, I don't settle for anything less than, but so I decided to make this investment and set up a studio and start a podcast and, and it's going to take a lot of time. You know what I've made from my podcast so far? You know what how much how much money I've made? How much? Uh, about last time I checked, it was about two dollars and eighty three cents. That's two two dollars and eighty three cents more than I have, and I've been doing this for five years. Um, oh my god! Yeah. So here's the thing. So I I launched the the Canon podcast about five years ago, and it was just about comics. So it was the super niche market, and it was going really well. Then I just got burnt out with travel and work and and, and all that. So I needed to take a step back, um, and I just wasn't having as much fun doing the podcast uh and our mm. audience was was great it was high i should have monetized and if i had monetized i probably would have stuck doing it but i didn't so that dropped um so when i relaunched the show last year you know it's essentially relaunching at zero at net zero i'm at a point now where i should monetize but you know i'm i'm very particular about things so until it's perfect until i'm ready I'm not going to do it. But when I do it, I'm going to go, you know, zero to 60 in no time. Um, so, like, that that's that's the type of person I am. Sometimes I know I, I'm sitting on on this gold mine, not literally, but like, you know, in my mind, I'm sitting on this, on this, on this gold mine and I'm losing, I'm losing. But, you know, until I'm ready, until I'm mentally there as well, because, you know, my commitment, my commitment to the show will have to go up. Not that it's not. Uh, peak right now but it's just gonna have to be more in there i'm gonna have to put myself more out there and i'm kind of just like mentally preparing for that so that's what i'm really waiting on um you know for for my show yeah no well i'm dude it's it's um it's man the fact that you just walked away from it at one point because it wasn't fun that's that's kind of cool um it's stupid also (laughs) (laughs) i I mean maybe maybe (laughs) yeah but that's the thing uh, like i'm that type of person like i know that if i had continued to do it i would have just like broken down had a had an issue so i kind of recognized in myself that i have i needed to take a step back and kind of uh figure out what i wanted to do so when i brought the show back i turned it into more of a pop culture thing um which this kind of leads me to my next point and that is earlier you mentioned that you know a lot of people get upset and by people i mean our parents and our parents parents get upset at generation z z whatever you want to call them and us millennials because you know uh, we we can make money talking on the internet we can make money taking photos (laughs) right i don't think people realize the drain um mentally that it can be and i'm not saying for me but like Take, let's take a look at those uh, TikTok houses, those quote-unquote influencer houses in California. How many times have those things started off hot and then just blown up and these, you know, 17, 18-year-old girls are having 
full-on mental breakdowns because, you know, people are just flat-out taking advantage of them because it's too much for them. Because if they don't keep up their metrics and the numbers and the expectations, you know, they're not going to be making the money for someone else. And that's that's a whole other issue because, you know, you should never um, let anyone take advantage of you that way. But we're talking about, like, you know, barely adults at this point they don't know better sure um and you have someone who understands the market who's taking advantage of them but the point i'm trying to make is that you have these girls who have go you know go through these breakdowns because you know keeping up the numbers that you're supposed to you know constantly keeping your 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 you know the the um the reactions the the likes the Uh and all that fun stuff to the levels. Very, very stressful. It is very stressful. Like, it just, even the thought, like, so I've talked to some advertisers, and I'm very close to signing with them, um, but just the thought of of knowing the only way I'm going to get paid is if I prove to those advertisers that I have X number of listeners every week. You know? Like, that thought, to me, is scary. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like with a lot of these young girls, man, that's how they start out. Uh, posing in i don't know uh, like uh, maybe maybe gym clothes or, or yoga pants or something and then that stress uh eventually they keep thinking about like well sh- sh- you know shoot my i need i need more likes i need more likes i need more likes maybe i'll take my top off maybe i'll take my pants off soon and and before long they're completely naked on OnlyFans, right it's like it's like one thing leads to another it's like well what do i gotta do to get a few more likes yeah and um it is, man. It's, it's definitely stressful. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, if you self-manage it and you do it in a healthy way, I think you can do it. I think of you course. have to have, I think you have to be intelligent enough to say, you know what? Uh, I'm just, I'm just leaving my phone at home and going out with my friends for a few hours and the world is not going to end. My, my tweets and my TikToks and everything else will be there when I return. And it's also kind of the, it's a weird thing that actually I'm trying to figure out right now. Like, how much is too much in terms of, or when it comes to evaluating the reactions to uh, your posts, your podcast episodes, your clips, all of that, how much is too much, but how much of it is also necessary? Because you're basically gauging how many customers are walking in through, through your door, yep. right? I mean, right? It's, it's just like, you know, you go to a store, there's a guy over there counting how many people walk in every day. That's your likes. That's the views that you get on every episode. You're, and, and so if, if you're getting, I don't know, whatever, a thousand views an episode, and now for the last two months, you've been getting 500 and then now you're getting 300, it's like, well, what's going on here? Uh, and so I think some of it is necessary, definitely. And so that, that's one thing I disagree with Gary Vee about. I don't know if you watch Gary Vee. He talks yes. about, oh, we should get rid of likes. I'm like, dude, no, we should not get rid of likes. Like, I don't know if you're just saying that just to appeal to people who don't get a lot of likes, just to, just to make them feel better. But how do you gauge how people are responding to your stuff? And I'm not talking about the douchebags because there's always those people in the comments. There's just miserable people that just want to project their inner unhappiness that's just like boiling inside of them and they want to take it out on somebody. It's just like those old people who get mad at the young people for making money on TikTok. And I think, Same I thing. think that's right there. That's what it is. So, you know, I think the the part of the whole let's get rid of likes crowd, these are people who don't want to pay people for their likes, who who want to um, completely change and, and destroy the, the market that's being mm. created for, you know, these influencers. Because if yeah, you, you can't you, gauge what 
those quote unquote customers are doing, whether they're liking, whether they're reacting, you know, how, how engaged they are with your posts, then how can you monetize it? How can you put a dollar sign to each click? You can't. So that's why I always Correct. take a look at anyone who says, let's remove likes. It, it's too much. You know, there, yes, there's a part of it where it can be stress inducing, but there's a part of it that it's a whole business decision and a whole market that needs to be evaluated. Yeah, for sure. You know what I think? I think they ought to have a, a thumbs down button too. Like YouTube does it, but if you look at Facebook or um, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all the reactions, LinkedIn, I, I post quite a bit on LinkedIn, all the reactions are already preset to be positive. And I'm like, well, where's where's the thumbs down button? What if I think it sucks? I, I got to tell this person that it sucks. Of course, you can tell them in the comment. That it sucks, but why? Why isn't? Why is there a thumbs up button, not a thumbs down button? I think that's also the issue. There is you can't manage, engage, and and get a get a firm number on how many people dislike the post, right? Mm. That's the issue. Wait, why not? You do it on YouTube. Oh, I I think you should. I think it should be opened up. I'm just saying that, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. like you know, for for me, if I'm posting something on on Facebook or LinkedIn, I kind of want to know what my customers what my my followers think of of my post because that will then change kind of what i do more or less so you know i i I firmly believe that there should be some form of negative reaction to your post yeah oh for sure and and you know what man um some of my most popular uh, my, my currently my number one most watched episode on YouTube is uh, is an episode that stirred up some emotions and some people felt very uh, um, let's just say pissed off by by some of the comments that were made on it and that just they started leaving comments and then people who disagreed with them started responding to those comments and it created this whole conflict in the comments section. And the views on that episode tripled within like a 24-hour period after it had been basically dormant for about six weeks. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like, I didn't mean, yeah, it wasn't my intention to provoke anyone, but that's what happened. I just say what I what I feel. I, I just voice my opinion, and if somebody gets provoked by that, it is what it is. But uh, sometimes, sometimes that also works to your advantage. Yeah, and you know that's the thing the about thing. the. Controversy creates cash, right? I think that's one of the, Ooh, the that's key a good things saying. that I've learned. Controversy creates cash. I wish I could take credit for coining that, but I did not. That comes from Eric <laughs> Bischoff in, in the world of wrestling. Um, and, and that's something that I've actually realized works so well. I don't do it on purpose, but sometimes I'll say something controversial, and I find that you know people engage with those hot takes for lack of a better term, um, so much. Um, or, or, you know, for example, similar to your thing, one time um, I was talking about, you know, the whole Black Lives Matters movement, and I just said, can't people just be nice to each other? Like, what's so hard about not being an asshole to someone else because of what they look like, what they are, what they preach, what they think, you know, whatever, the color of their skin, etc. cetera. Um, some guy sent me it, uh, an email Basically, just you know, calling me a dumbass, blah blah blah. Um, so I posted this on my personal Facebook, and I'm like, you know, it's 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 it's. I forget what I said, but I basically just um, highlighted what this person posted. That episode got so many people on my personal Facebook to actually listen to my show, and I'm like, 
I didn't <laughs> really intend for this to happen, <laughs> but I'm not angry that it happened. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, you want to tell that person, gee, I wish everybody suffered from chronic niceness. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, all things considered, it would be a nicer world. But um, that's exactly right. And, you know, there's also, to a certain degree, <clears throat> I can't really, you, you have to you have to just put out your best self, your best episode, your best conversations and then and then not really concern yourself with the outcome it's a weird it's a weird thing man it's a weird balance it's it's like a there's this just conflicting approach of 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 yes i do need to know but then i can't get too consumed by it and yes it's tricky to balance it out and i know some people uh talk about like some of these big time, big time podcasters and, and other people on social media talk about like, they never look at the comments. They're, they're just like, there's nothing positive in there. It's just people arguing. I don't ever want to look at it, but I feel like they're so famous that perhaps they don't need to. They don't need to. They know that there's, that there's people, there are pe people watching them. They've been doing it for so long that they already know they have a good product. So they got to a point where they're like, all right, I, I don't need to concern myself with this. Yeah. Here's the thing for me. Personally, when I started doing this, I cared a little more. Um, and it's not so much because I want everyone to like me. Uh, it would be great if everyone liked me um, and I could make millions <laughs> if everyone liked me, but that's not the case. Um, it was more, I like to see the gauge and that's kind of how I gauged what the quote unquote audience wanted, um, you know? Mm. But now I'm at a point where I release an episode and if it gets 500 listens, I'm happy. If it gets 1,500 listens, I'm happy. If it gets 2,000 listens, I'm happy. Regardless of how many yeah. listens I get, I'm going to be happy. And I don't really care as much per se, um, you know, and I kind of let the comments speak to the happiness of the audience at any, at any given point in time. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that over time, I stopped caring as much, but I still rely mm. on it to a certain extent to kind of gauge what type of content people want. But I'm not going to change who sure, I am sure. to mold myself to a character on a podcast. Because I find that, that that's a mistake a lot of people do. They become this character on a podcast, and it's like, that's not them whatsoever. It's it's just, it's too fake at that point. Man, you're a, you're a salesman. You, you're a, you're a chameleon. You, you ought to be able to adapt to all situations. No, I'm kidding. Uh, there's still you still have to be yourself, even even as a salesman. Uh, yes, there is adaptation to your audience, which means if I just if I'm in front of a doctor for the first time, there's a certain way that I'm going to talk, as opposed to if I've been working with this doctor and we've gone out and had drinks and we're basically buddies and I've known him for three years. Uh, so that's that's where the um, um, the, the, the being a chameleon comes in being a salesman, but uh, no, on the podcast. Yeah, man, I think absolutely you got to be yourself and, and being yourself doesn't mean that you can't improve. It just means that this is who I am now. And yeah, I'm going to change with time and I'm going to identify areas that I need to need to be better at. Uh, for everything from communication to maybe sometimes you're too blunt. And I got, no, I could be blunt. Sometimes I'm very guilty of that, but, um, that's just what it is. But I want to ask you, how many millions do you want to make? You said it'd be great if you make millions. How many millions are we talking about? How many millions? As many millions as I want. To be honest, I just want to type, <laughs> I want the type of life where I'm just happy and I'm comfortable. And I can't say I've put a number to it per se. Um, but, you know, I just, 
I just want to be in a point in my life where I'm not concerned about retirement, where I'm not concerned about if I, you know, go on vacation this year, then I won't be able to afford X, Y, Z, right? I just want to be able to do what I want when I want. And I'm not like I'm not talking about being filthy, stinking rich. I'm just talking about being comfortable, because for me, being comfortable is being happy. Like I grew up very Mm. poor. Um, you know, my, 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 my mom and my dad, mainly my mom, she did a great job at kind of shielding us at how poor we really were. Like my mom, um, put herself in debt just to kind of hide kind of how bad things really were. And I, I am forever grateful for that. Um, because I, I, I never went without stuff and by stuff, I mean, you know, the, the electronics and stuff like that. Um, I always had a computer. Uh, I always had uh, the tech that can help me get to where I wanted to be and and, and get where where I needed to be. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that that's they have the the unfortunate um, life where where you know they just haven't been able to get that. So how do you climb out of that hole? Luckily, I was I wasn't in that you know in that hole. So I, I'm eternally grateful to my mother to my parents um, for for kind of shielding us to that. Uh, much to the their detriment because they haven't been able to save up for retirement as much as they probably would have wanted to because they could have easily just said, well, they're being fed, they're going to school, they have a um, a house, things are good, you know, and then they could have focused on themselves. But that's not how that's what they I would wanted do. to do. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I would do. My, if, I, if I ever have kids, they're going to they're gonna think I'm, I'm a terrible father. Yeah. And that's <laughs> I, the look, thing, though. I believe, I believe, I believe in tough love. I believe... Uh, you got to let them learn. You, you get, you've got to, you, you've got to make sure that your kids understand that they need to carve their own path. Nobody's going to do that for them. Their feelings don't matter. I think that's a really important thing to teach young people. Nobody cares how you're feeling. You still call, call the electric company when you don't have money because you lost your job because you don't like your boss and tell them that you're feeling upset and, and you lost your job and you can't pay the bill. They're still going to cut your, your your electricity. Maybe in Canada, they'll give you a week because people are nice over there. But over <laughs> here, they're going to cut your electricity as soon as you default on the payment. It, it just, I think, it, I think a lot of parents, they go wrong in, uh, they say, like they have the attitude of, I'm going to work really hard so that my kids don't have to. And I think the way they should look at it is I'm going to work really hard so that, and I'm going to make sure that my children understand um, that I work really hard so that they can realize what the value of hard work is. Uh, They just need to kind of switch it around and say, you know what? The world is tough and I'm not doing my children any favor by telling them, Hey honey, don't worry. You got a college fund. You've got a trust fund. You've got a trust fund for your trust fund. You know, we're, we're doing everything that we can to make sure that you never have to worry about anything because you're setting them up for a fake life. Oh, yeah. it, that just, that's just not how the real world, real yeah. world uh, works. I struggle with R's and L's. I don't know if it's because my first language is Arabic, but <laughs> real world. That's there you go. I got to say it slowly. <laughs> I do too. Sometimes uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I, that, that's just one thing that um, I think my kids would hate me for. But you know, you know what, though, they won't. Eventually, hate you. they would learn to love it. They won't hate you because I think they won't hate you because you know when I describe kind of like my family, that's what it was. It was what you just described. Uh-huh. My parents worked their asses off to provide the life, to give us the opportunity to 
for us to work our asses off to get somewhere. Um, you know, wow. if we had stayed in California, if we had stayed in LA, I would probably, oh. I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. You know, we didn't live in the good neighborhoods. We didn't have the good schools. It would have been half near impossible to, to even be given the platform for the opportunity. What my parents provided were at least the platform for that opportunity. I still had to find my own way through university. I still had to, you know, go through all that and pay my way through everything. And, um, you know, they provided the basics and a little bit of extras. Like I said, like the Mm. tech, because if it wasn't for me playing around with tech, I would not have gone into computers. So, you know, they gave me kind of the, the essentials for where I wanted to go. I think that's the better way of explaining um, that. Yeah. Uh, because just like you said, and that's you know, my mom was the first person to say, look, the real world is tough. If you don't do it, no one's going to do it for you. So, you know, lift up your pants. Um, you know, for lack of a better term, be a man, lift up your pants and fight for what you that's want. Right. That's right. No, that's 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 exactly right. And um, I'll tell you man, this. Yeah, I want, you know, I'll, you said... Yeah. Sorry, man. You said that your kids would probably not no, no, like you. It. I'll tell you. They'll appreciate you when they're older because <laughs> I joking. appreciate my parents so much <laughs> for that. It's crazy. Right. right. No, I have, a, I have a friend who I uh, use it as, as an example. He, um, the same thing. He, uh, he thought that he, he actually, he, he jokes about it. He says, and he's like in his mid forties now, but he jokes about it. He says that when he was young, he thought that they were really poor. <laughs> and then, when he turned, I don't know, 16, 17, he went to his dad's business to help him out. And he started looking at some of the, the books and the revenue. And he goes, dad, like, is, do you, do you make all this money? And he goes, yeah. He goes, wow, we're rich. <laughs> I didn't know we were rich. And the dad goes, no, you're not rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a good point. And then, and then he was, you know, he kind of was a little bit bitter about it when he was younger, but I mean, I mean, for years now, I've, I've known this guy for a long time and He's one of the most successful people I've ever met. He can he can just at the drop of a hat he can just pick up and go anywhere in the world and do whatever the hell he wants, regardless of not even concern himself with what the cost of whatever it is that he wants to do uh, is going to be. He can just like pack up right now and say, "Well, you know, Italy looks nice. Let me go spend a week there." Um, and it's uh, that that's a pretty cool thing. But I'm so glad you don't live in L.A. Yeah. Jeez, I'm I'm happy for you. That that's the worst place in America. It's nobody should live in LA. Everybody should just leave California. Don't come to Texas, but you can go go north. Go to go to Oregon. Go to Washington. Stay away from Texas. But everybody should leave California. Man, that's a terrible state. Their taxes are outrageous, and um, everything is just way too expensive. The real estate is incredibly overpriced, and you hear these horror stories to me they seem abstract it's almost like like i know it's true but i still have a hard time believing it because let me tell you the dollar goes really far in el paso and that's i think being in a small city a small inexpensive city is a really good way to set yourself up with a solid base before you try to venture before you try to get into more entrepreneurial ventures because the dollar goes long, a longer way. So you can save more money. You can invest. You can do things on the side that create multiple revenue streams so that you can take risk later. If you live in California, I mean, I hear these horror stories about people in places like San Francisco who make eighty, ninety thousand $90,000 a year and they're homeless. They live in their cars. They can't even afford an apartment. I'm like, this is insane. Like, that's not even a real place. How can that be a real place? Well, 
Let me tell you, you about Toronto. If you, make, if you make 80 grand, if you're a young single person in El Paso and you're making 80 grand, you can basically live like a small time Jay Z. <laughs> you could, you could, you could be a baller <laughs> with 80 grand in El Paso if you play it right. Yeah. And I think that's another important thing to talk about because, you know, here in Toronto, uh, you know, our real estate is insane. It's ludicrous. Um, our housing yeah. market, the average house cost just reached a million dollars here in Toronto. Whoa. I, I, I love that long pause of, of that, like, sinking yeah. in. So that's, you know, you bring up a great point and that, you know, take a look at where you live and where you're doing it, what it is you're doing. Because, you know, I chose to stay in Toronto. And mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, I feel like it was almost a mistake because I get paid fairly well, but, you know, and I've been saving, but I don't have the house. I don't have this just yet because it's so right. hard. Like no one around 30, you can afford a house just because a million dollars, you know, it's, 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 it's absolutely so crazy. Yeah. It, it's crazy, man. Um, rent alone. That doesn't even uh, seem real. Yeah, I know. Rent alone. I'll tell you about rent here in Toronto. Uh, so a one bedroom will cost you at the very least, and we're talking about a iffy place, about fifteen hundred a month. We're probably looking at over two thousand for a nice, comfortable, you know, um, two bedroom. Uh, for you and your and and your partner to be comfortable, you're looking at over two k. Jesus. Yeah. Is that like in a neighborhood where where you're at risk of having your groceries robbed from you on the way home? <laughs> like, um, or is that at a decent I would say place? It's decent <laughs> enough. I know people who pay about fifteen hundred and they're in a pretty rough rough area. Um, but you know, it's 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 that's kind of like the thing. So. Going back to what we've been talking about. Well, and gee, man, maybe you'd be better off in L.A. You should go back there. <laughs> Dude, bit, trust me. I've thought about it. probably be a little bit cheaper. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. Well, depends where I want to oh live, Oh, my God. Right? I know. It's crazy, man. It's absolutely <laughs> insane up here. Um, but we get free health care. That's number one. That's comforting. Just, you know, honestly, <laughs> when it comes to the whole medical stuff, it's something that we really don't think about just because we are covered. Um, so, you know, it's right. almost it's almost like ignorance is bliss type thing for us up here. You know, of all the places to live in America, Las Vegas wouldn't be the worst. Yeah. You know, it's one of those places that I, I've, I know some people who live down there and, and they're super happy. They love it, actually. Um, they get left alone. It's great. Um, you know, huge properties. It's pretty good weather. Uh, so, yeah, they're yeah. pretty happy. It's great. It's great. Very, yeah, very low state. Uh, there's no state income tax, very low property taxes. Uh, there's, there's, you never have to sit, like, if you're ever bored, that's your fault. Because yes. you just, you can just, you, like, there's endless entertainment. So there's always something to do. And there's great restaurants. There's great shopping. You'll probably be seeing your friends more when you move to Vegas, your friends who live in your hometown, because they'll visit you in Vegas more than they'll visit you in your hometown. <laughs> like I, I, know, I, I know a guy, I have a friend in Vegas who goes, yeah, man, I moved here from Oregon and then I started hanging out with my friends a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, they come down here 
you know, like uh, just about every weekend I get a text, Hey, we're in Vegas. Let's hang out. Like that's, that's fun. funny. Something also for people to think about, you know, when it comes to where you're going to move everybody, there's, there's such an appeal of, uh, New York and LA and Austin and all these places, but they don't factor in what it's going to cost them to move there. And you know what? You don't have to anymore. This is one beautiful thing about social media and these internet superstars. What do they call them now? They don't call them celebrities anymore. What's, what's the word? Um, public figures is like you're, you can, you don't have to go to New York or Hollywood for a casting. You can cast yourself with your phone. Yeah. Like it's really that simple. And I mean, I think that that's like, that's, that's just amazing. That's so cool that you have the same advantage. If you have a cell phone as anyone else in the country, now sure. Yeah. Okay. We can, you know, we can split hairs and talk about, Oh, well this person's dad knows someone and that person's mom knows someone. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. But you can get scouted. You can be seen. You can be noticed from anywhere, anywhere in the world. Well, not the world. If you're in, I don't know if they have Instagram in Saudi Arabia, anywhere in North America, you yeah. can, you can get scouted. And it's like, I think that's a, that's a great thing. That's a really cool thing. It's, yeah. it's both good and bad. Social media is both good and bad. Technology is good and bad. Cars are good and bad. Everything's good and bad. It's just how you use it. That's exactly it. I think that's a, that's a perfect, um, you know, perfect way to put it. It, it everything is good and bad depends how you use it depends how others use it um and you know it's it's hopefully we can adapt it to aid us more than anything else because even people kind of like in our situation like for me i don't need to live in toronto i can live basically anywhere in the world as long as i have internet and a webcam that's all i need now at least for now so where are you gonna um, go and i've I've thought about going back to California sometimes just to, uh, you know, not, not, not to live there. Just, just hang out there for like, you know, a year or two or something like that. Um, somewhere where I really fell in love with, and you're going to laugh, but I don't know why I just really enjoyed this town a lot. And that's Milwaukee. Mm, I've never been. It's a lot of fun. It's like my kind of town. Like, you know, in the middle of the day, let's grab a beer. Everyone's happy. You know, it's 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 my kind of town. Not not too expensive. Nice enough. They have sports. It's all that I need. Oh, that's pretty cool. I, uh, I'm thinking about moving to Puerto Rico. I don't nice. know if you're gonna laugh about that or not, but uh, the reason being is, uh, again, taxes. <laughs> I want to live. I want to make the most money in the cheapest part of the world. That that yep. that's what I want. So, like I'm all about efficiency. And getting things quickly. I don't have, like I talked about earlier, the patience to be in medical school for 15 years before I start making a good living. I want it now. And so I was thinking, I was started doing some research the other day because right around a year ago, pre-COVID, it's kind of funny. I could not have timed, I could not have timed this event any worse. I literally picked the worst time in history to enter the stock market. And that was like my first time ever. I was like, you know what? I'm doing well. I have this extra money. It's just sitting in my bank account, decaying, just rotting there because of inflation. I basically, my, my account is worth less and less every day. And so it's time to get into the stock market. I get into the stock market. Three weeks later, worldwide quarantine because of the pandemic. And I lost like 80% of my investments within my investment within three weeks. In the long run, I ended up recovering and had a pretty good year. And uh, now it's like, it's just a regular practice for me. I, I, I place, I place so many trades. I, I, you know, can't even count, 
But uh, I started looking at, okay, like this year, I'm going to get dinged so hard on the income tax because it's a capital gains tax. I believe, I don't understand it fully yet, but I believe it's it's off the top. Like if you're in the 20% bracket, 20% of what you made, 30, 30. And I started doing some research and I found out that in Puerto Rico, they don't have a capital gains tax. Now, let me just preface that. Let me say, I'm not an accountant. I'm not 100% sure on this. I'm actually trying to get an accountant on my podcast so that we can talk about it at length because I want I want the full explanation. And if that's the case, it's very possible that I'm going to end up in Puerto Rico or the U.S. Virgin Islands uh, maybe later this year because I want to. If I can keep all the money that I'm making in the stock market, man, that's what I'm going to do. Yep, makes sense to me. I'm going to spend I want to spend my time podcasting and snorkeling <laughs> honestly that and for me i might finally have time to learn to play the piano <laughs> i love it see that for me is life <laughs> if i can spend the rest of my time kind of doing what i want podcasting yeah watching sports having a beer hanging out with friends that that's what i want in life you know so th- those are my goals um so you just said you played the stock markets what do you think of cryptocurrency Oh, I, I'm not one to speak on that. I really don't know much about it. It seems undeniable that it will be more and more incorporated in our lives with every passing year. Yeah. That just kind of, that, that just makes sense, right? From the little bit of research that I've done on crypto, that just seems like it makes sense. Now, what does that mean exactly uh, in, in real life application? I don't know. I, now, I don't buy this hype about it becoming a universal currency because you still have borders. You still have countries and boundaries and and countries are going to fight to keep a currency of their own. You can't just have, you can't unify the world's currency. North Korea ain't doing that. The United Arab Emirates ain't doing that. Yeah. It worked for Europe, right? But Europe is basically like they're all cut from the same cloth. I mean, they have very varied accents and whatnot, but the euro works for them, but I don't. I don't see a universal cryptocurrency, but uh, I think it's undeniable that it will be more incorporated in our lives in the future, and uh, I think people should be paying attention to it because you want to catch that wave. Otherwise, you're going to be like, like you know, the the people who started the first websites when the internet started out in the in the what like early nineties. Yep. The um the people who who launched the first websites, they all did great, even if you just bought a.com if you just bought that domain the letter a.com you later on sold it for i don't know how many millions of dollars and so it's something to pay attention to i think it's um revolutionary i can't go into detail on it because i have not done in-depth research uh about it i will say though i want to brag about this uh later on actually i was after after this, I was getting ready to um, to post about it on on all of my social media, including stock twits. I recommend people start using stock twits if they want to keep up with news of what's going on with the companies in which they're invested. There's a company called Perry. That's the stock ticker P E R I. It stands for Perion Network. And today, last I checked, which was in the afternoon, a little bit before the markets closed, it was the number one uh, stock in the. Uh, shoot, what was it? The market or something like that? I don't know. It had some some big rating. I gotta go back and look on StockTwits, but it had some big rating, and that's a stock that I got into earlier this year per somebody else's recommendation. Shout out to my brother-in-law, Dr. Matthew Porter. 
we've done a couple of episodes on, on my show. Actually, the most recent one was last week, and he talked about Perry and a number of other stocks that he's in. He's an absolute wizard in the market. Not by not by professional training. It's just his hobby. He's actually yeah. an eye surgeon. Uh, and so I just I put that out there so that people take his advice with a grain of salt. But he talked a lot about Perry, and we're very, very big on Perry. And I mean, it's just, it's it's performing very, very well. And um, I think it hasn't even begun to run yet. And so we got in at about, I think it was 12 or 13 bucks a share earlier this year. It hit 28 today. And uh, even at 28, I think it's incredibly undervalued. I don't see a reason why this company is not $100 a share. It just needs to get on the radar. And uh, I, I think it will it will do that. Yeah, that's typically all it takes, right? Just a little a little positive attention, and then it'll blow up, right? Or something happens. Yeah, I need I, I need Elon Musk to tweet about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much that that's that's all it takes nowadays. It's so yeah. it's so funny how that Elon works. Musk or Kathy Woods or somebody. Yeah. All right. So now that we're talking, I think the stock, stock market's markets, great though. Oh, it it yeah. really is. I, now that we're just talking- just in terms of in terms of being able to establish multiple revenue streams because you never want to be dependent on just one thing because what happens when that thing stops working? Yep. I think financial independence and freedom is really it hinges on establishing multiple revenue streams. And so um, there, there's so many tools out there. I'll, I'll throw out a few recommendations for people who want to uh, look into this. There's a website called Seeking Alpha. You can look up companies over there. You can read their earnings reports. Their, uh, their, their. You, you can you can look at the history, the, the entire story of that company. You could look at. You could go back and read articles and watch how they've grown over the years and what their plans are and everything. Uh, Seeking Alpha stock twits. There's a website called Doco D O C O H, where and I actually I don't use it. I've only tinkered with it a little bit on my brother-in-law's laptop. Uh, but you can view the investments of just about every hedge fund in the world. And so he likes to follow some of the leading hedge funds in biotech and technology. And you can look at what they're buying, how much of it they own. You can see when they add, when they trim. It's really cool. So you could, I mean, really, if you wanted to, you could just follow the lead of some of these leading hedge funds. And odds are you will be steered in the right direction. That's Hopefully. the thing. VCs and hedge funds know where it's at. And sometimes you can see a trend in where they're putting in all their money. Um, and, and you know, you can probably extrapolate that information and make some pretty good guesses and guesstimates for yourself. Um, seeking Alpha they're is in the a, club. Exactly. Seeking they're Alpha in the is club. a... I'm not... Yeah. Seeking Alpha is a site I used to use all the time when I worked at BlackBerry oh, just cool. to see how much the uh, the media hated us. It was a good site to kind of see <laughs> like, you know, when an impending doom was going to come. Um, so, yeah, that's a great website. <laughs> they have really smart people writing articles for them. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where disclosure is key. So, you know, you don't when you read an article, the disclosure is going to be at the very top. So, you know, I would trust a lot of articles coming from there, especially as they tell you, hey, this is what I own, this is where I'm at, these are my positions, etc. For sure. Let's talk about technology eradicating jobs. Do you hear the 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 job title stockbroker anymore? Nope. It died. When did it die? I don't know precisely, but it died a while ago when people were able to go online, open a brokerage account 
put whatever money they want in it, do their own research, buy their own stock. What did they have to do before that? They had to get on the phone, call their broker. It was like this special group of guys who had access. They knew what was up and nobody else knew because, well, how am I going to read the earnings report of C limited or prevention bio? I can't, I got to call my guy. He's the guy who gives me information. He's my Google. So I got to call my guy I got to say, Hey, you know, what's, what's the stock at? And he goes, Oh, let me tell you, I got a great tip on the stock and this is how much it costs. Send me $10,000. I'll invest it for you. And then you do that. And then like, you can't really follow up. And so a lot of fraud would happen. A lot of thievery would happen. People couldn't really keep a close eye on their investments. And that's why there's such a, such a, such a stigma attached to financial, what used to be called stockbrokers now called financial advisors or financial planners. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the difference is between those two, but you know, people use, I've heard both those titles used, but, the, but you have the information at your fingertips. If you just care to look, yep. it's right there. And that's not to say that it's not available anymore. You can still go to someone and say, I want to be this aggressive hard, like super aggressive, oh, sure. medium aggressive. And it's a black box for you. Right. And some people are super happy with that, but going back to what we've been talking about, and that's kind of, you know, the freedom of. And, and different revenue streams, this is this is the way to do it. It's literally your future is in your own hands. And this, you know, the, literally, 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 it's it's on your cell phone yeah. half the time. Um, and yeah. kind of it's funny because that 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 little black box that got open, that Pandora's box that was open, um, these people in that market used to hold all the power and little by little bit in using it as the quest trades, as the Robin hoods, as you know, people became a little more informed about their world. Um, you know, they've been getting a little angrier and this is why, you know, for me, I believe that the financial story of the decade is going to be what's happened with GameStop because we've cracked the code and now they're pissed off. <laughs> yeah. This whole GameStop thing is really comical. It really I, is. I can't help but get a kick out of it. I mean, really, like, how do you not laugh about it? I I know the people. I've seen the posts and this, the the twits and the tweets about, oh, this is actually harmful because now they're going to come out with more strict measures to 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 avoid a, a future event like this one. But I'm like, it's funny. <laughs> you gotta find a little bit of humor in it. Yep. The uh, only people who are being upset are the people who used to play these dirty games and manipulate the market. Right. And now, you know, it's kind of funny. The irony in all of this, for me, is beautiful. Like Chef's Kiss. Like what? Chef's Kiss. Mwah. What is that? It's, uh, you know, you know when you're really happy with yourself and you've cooked a good meal and you kind of do the, the, the mwah, the chef's kiss. It's like, ah, super happy <laughs> okay, with myself. I've never heard that expression. How have, I lived this, this, how have I lived this long and this is the first time I hear that expression? I hope it's not a Canadian thing. I don't think it's a Canadian thing. I hope it's not a Canadian it's thing. Probably, it's probably French. <laughs> probably. Is bon actually. appetit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's right. So, yeah. So, you know, we figured it out and they're pissed. And that's the thing. You know, you, you know you're doing something right when someone wants to change the rules on you. Hmm. Put quotation marks around that. <laughs> I know, right? But it's true. You know, like, it's uh, well, yeah, yeah. What's what's really annoying though is um, 
when they do that to you as an employee, like as a salesman, especially, yes, they go, Oh, you're, you're too, uh, you're too this or you're too that. And you're like, look at my numbers. My territory is at an all time high. You're telling me I need to change my, my methods. And they're like, well, yeah, we just feel that it would be more suitable if you, uh, did this instead. I'm like, can, can we, can you just like Elon Musk said, there are too many MBAs, run, uh, there are too many, MBA is running companies, I think was the quote. I completely agree with that. It's like break out of those confines of your of your of of what you were taught is the way and just let people be who they are if they're delivering results ultimately. Isn't that what matters? Well, yeah, but if you get too rich, that's an issue. For them. Um I see what you're saying. So that's yeah, the thing. That's true. Why do you think companies are introducing commission caps why do you think companies are doing so much to kind of make sure that you stay hungry enough to keep producing for them you know yeah sometimes though they they take that hunger concept a bit too far and they end up demotivating you and you're just you decide you decide you know screw it i'm not putting up with this i'll just find another job i have experience i've got a good resume i'll just go somewhere else there's a recruiter after me right now, I'll just bounce. I don't need to put up with this. You know, I hit your number. I I'm at 150% to quota. And now you want me to do another 150% the next year. Like, can I just have a minute to breathe and Oh, well, you know, you become complacent if you have an easy quota. And I'm like, Oh my God, you really, these companies don't, don't, uh, not, not all. I'm, you know, I'm using general examples here. I've seen this time and time again with, with just all over the place. I've seen examples of this behavior it's like all you're doing is de-incentivizing. It's it's a it's a terrible terrible approach. I think if I had a sales sales organization now, let me just also preface this following statement by saying that I'm speaking from ignorance, simply from observation, not from experience. But I believe that if I had a sales organization and I said, "Hey, this is the number that I need you to hit. I need you to do a million dollars in sales this year," and uh, you come to me in November and you go, Hey, you know, um, uh, my quota is a million dollars. I'm at a million. Uh, I'm at 1.1. I'll say, all right, well, what do you want to do? You want to take the rest of the year off? You want to go on vacation? What do you want to do? You earned it. Go get out of yeah. here. Go on vacation. <laughs> you want to make more money? You want to, you want to make bigger bonuses? Go for it. You can stay. You're welcome to do that. You're you're more than welcome to bring the company more money. Go for it. But you want to go on vacation? I'm not going to be mad about that. As a matter of fact, my uncle, I have an uncle who, uh, I don't know what his exact title is. He managed a bunch of people at a company <laughs> and, uh, they, you know, they had quotas. Uh, he dealt in uh, timeshare and he, that same ex- exact thing happened where I heard him talk about it one time. He had a employee come to him and he was upset and he goes, Hey, how come, how come what's his name is on vacation? And, uh, it was like the first week of December and we're all here working he goes, because what's his name hit his quota a month ago? Why don't you go hit your quota and then take a vacation? <laughs> it's like, that's, I think that's perfectly fair. Like, how are you going to be mad about that? Right? It's like, do what you, hit your quota and go. I'm that's not keeping like, you here, but you, but, but at the end of the day, you do have to perform. You're not just yeah. working here just because you're cool, just because we like your haircut. You know, there's, there are expectations and you have to meet them. But I think uh, when it comes to commission caps, I, I, I think it's uh, just really false when companies tell you that this is an uncapped commission plan. 
There may be examples where that's truly the case. I have yet to see one. Of all the uh, compensation plans that I've looked at and evaluated over the years, uh, I, I have yet to see a true uncapped commission plan because, so there, there's what I refer to as uh, invisible caps, where it's like, oh yeah, your, 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 comp your commission, your quarterly bonus or your monthly commission, however it works, will still go up, but it's going to go up at like, it's not a one-to-one. -one. It's like a 0.1-to-one after a certain level, right? So you get to 120% to quota. Yeah, there's a, there's a nice jump when you go from 100 to 120. But then if you get to 130, that jump is really small. And then if you get to 140, it's even smaller. So it really starts to work against you. And I call that an invisible cap. There's really more harm than good that comes out of that because now you're at 150%. You didn't make that much extra money, but what's good, what's the expectation going to be on you next year? Well, it's going to be at least that 150% plus 10% on top of that. Exactly. And let me tell you what, what Boris would do in that situation. Boris would be talking to customers at the end of the year, <laughs> and I would wait for those contracts to be signed. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dirty. <laughs> oh, yeah. I. I, I got to, you know, I have a friend who I don't know how he does it. it it's, it's seriously, maybe, maybe just the, 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 well, he is in a much different field than me, still medical sales, but uh, totally different playground. And he hits his quota every single year for the last, I think six years in a row, he's hit plan uh, in a company where really that's, that's a very rare case to hit plan six years in a row. And that company is, is really, really rare. So he's, really good at his job to say the least, but he hits plan every single year, somewhere between December 25th and December 31st. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> you're like, you're like doing the, the GameStop thing to those people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you're, you're telling your company, you know what? Screw your president's club award where you're going to raise my plan 30% year over year. I'm just going to do barely enough to keep my job. I'm happy with what I'm getting paid at hundred percent and I'm going to give myself a stress-free life. And my pipeline that I've established this year is going to give me a boost going into the following year. And so I never have to worry about uh, where I'm going to get business at the last minute to make quota. I think that's genius. Yeah. It's all about setting the precedence, right? Like, and, and I think that's, that's like, that's genius right there. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's doing the, the, all, you know, for, for lack of a better term, doing the bare minimum and getting away with it. And I love it. I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like, why not? It's, uh, I mean, but, why not? If that works for you, right? There's those people that are really after the awards. They want to be on that podium, given a president's club speech, which by the way, most of the time it's just so pedestrian and trite and boring. Oh, I'm so honored. And, uh, I feel very uh, fortunate to have received this award. I'm like, just get up there and give us a little bit of honesty for a change. Why don't you get up there and tell us that you got this award because you kicked ass and you're awesome. And, um, you can't wait to be partying at the beach, wherever the president's club trip is. And, uh, see you next time. Why well, you got to get up there and sound like everybody else. It's so boring. Yeah, see, that was, I feel like that I'm going to get in trouble for saying rant. what I actually think, what I feel about those. But, you know, those <laughs> President Club uh, meetings and, and conferences, for me, it's nothing but like a, a circle jerk. It's like, 
you know <laughs> <laughs> this is how Basically, good we are you know as you're fapping I want, like it's just for me it's just not it's i don't care you know that's just me personally can we can we curse on this show oh yeah okay i just so said I circle wanna, jerk <laughs> like <laughs> well yeah but i i don't know i mean that that's kind of like a that's like a rated uh i don't know pg-13 like if we want to go rated r so i've had I, do you watch ufc at all oh yeah okay so you're familiar with the uh, the greatest uh post fight punchline ever by nate diaz after he beat conor mcgregor Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to drop that line. I want to drop that line the next time I receive a President's Club award. That I want to walk awesome. up there and say, "I'm not surprised, motherfuckers." <laughs> <laughs> I'll have I'll have HR probably you know kicking me out know, immediately, right? <laughs> but I think it would be hilarious. It would be worthwhile for sure. It'd be worth losing my job. It'll be, you know what? <laughs> At the very least, it'll make a good story for your next job. I actually think the company that I work for, um, I think a few jaws will hit the floor, a few eyes would pop wide open, and I would get a lot of laughter, and ultimately I would be forgiven. I yeah. think if I did that, I, I really would be forgiven. They're not that uptight. Yeah, I think that a lot of companies are kind of starting to notice <laughs> our generation and, and, and kind of, I don't want to say becoming more laid back, but... You know, it's not so uptight as it used to be because they know that if they're as uptight, people our generation are just not going to work for them. True. Yeah. Well, there's also a lot of uh, people like uh, Simon Sinek, if you know who that is, um, who are promoting this this new way of looking at things and running corporations, which is it, it's not like the sole focus should not be the bottom line. And I, I like the way he describes it. He talks about finite games and infinite games. I think he has a book called The Infinite Game. Uh, the, the, uh, are you are you familiar with Simon at all? Yep. Yep. Simon Sinek. Okay. Cool. So, the, the Infinite Game. He says. He says companies don't even understand what game they're in, right? They're in the infinite game, but they're playing it as though it's a finite game. A finite game is like a UFC fight right? Two people get in the cage. There's an established set of rules. There's a certain uh, amount of time uh, after which the competition ends. It has to, it has to come to a conclusion and a winner must be announced. And these are the ways that you could win by knockout submission uh, decision and so forth in an infinite game. It's ongoing. And so there is no win or lose. There, there is no, I knocked you out. There is no, I won you. You won what? Like you're, you're in a company. What, what did you win? Right. You're, you're, you, you grew your revenue. Okay. Based on what metric last month, the last quarter, the last year you beat the other companies in what time frame? today over the, uh, in the last year, in the last five years, you're the most profitable according to what, in what sector. And it's like, there's no, there is no winning in the infinite game. You just do the best you can every single day. And yes, of course, you don't start a company without the idea of wanting to make money. But this focus on we got to win. I need a winner. I need a winner's attitude. I need somebody who's who wants to win. I'm always like, win what? Like, well, what am I winning? Okay, I got I got President's Club awards. I got Rep of the Year awards. But what did I win? It just means I had a good year. 
That doesn't mean that I'm better than the other guys in the other parts of the country that didn't get those awards. Because guess what? Some of them have more awards than me. So does that mean that they're better than me? Like I don't know. It's that's just it. Right? People, I people think need to understand the game that they're in. That's just it. It's kind of and something that Simon Sinek talks about so much. It's doing you do you. I'm summarizing it so much, but it's you do you. You do <laughs> the best that you can for that given point in time. Um, his book, uh, Leaders Eat Last, is so good yeah. about that. It, it really tells you, like, you know, it's you got to fulfill what you want. It's, you know, it's kind of like dropping the walls and not measuring yourself up to everyone around you. It's you do you. I'll tell you a hilarious story about Leaders Eat Last that has to do with my previous manager, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you sound a lot like him. Yep. So <laughs> at, the, at the last national sales meeting that we attended, we didn't have one this year. So, the, you know, last year, um, we walk in, you know, we, we were in the breakfast room before every, all the festivities begin. And so, um, he, he's, he's, he's seated at the table. He's eating. I go sit next to him few more people join in and he goes, uh, he goes, Hey, have you uh, read the book leaders eat last? And I go, yeah. Why? He goes, because <laughs> it's like, cause I'm the first one eating. <laughs> His point is like, what is that? <laughs> He's like, I must not be a leader. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. He's just, a, he's, a, he's a hilarious character. And just the way that he said it, like he had this moment of realization in the middle of everyone's meal where he just like looked around and he goes damn i was the first one eating <laughs> and just the it way was, that he linked it to that book i thought was so funny yeah it was at that moment he became <laughs> the ubermensch right like, it's like i am right. above it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh that's um but that's how it is you know what are you gonna do and so um it does get daunting to constantly if you have a manager who's constantly telling you win the day win the day win the day you're like win what like yeah. i'm doing the best i can and there's no there's really no winning or losing um and i i don't know what to make of that i mean i, I that's just sort of the way that i see things I don't, I don't really know what to make of that i don't know if any one attitude is better than the other uh, long-term for the survival of companies, but I can tell you that people are happier when they're playing the infinite game. Yeah. So here's my take on that. At the end of the day, the company is the company. You know, I'm in the game for myself. I'm in the game for that paycheck. I'm in the game to do better for myself. I'm in the game to make more money, to take home more money, to be happier in that sense. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's kind of how I see that. So the whole... You know, corporate raw, raw, I see kind of diminishing more and more, um, you know, and it's not to say that I don't care for the company that I work for. It's I don't put that company on a pedestal. I'm par I'm part of the system and I will do my best for it. And my success will drive that company into success. But I'm not holding that company beholden and above everything else because that's the way it was 50 years ago. Yeah, I think um, I, I think that 
we are both already fired from our jobs. We just don't know it yet. <laughs> we, just, we just haven't really, <laughs> we haven't received the email yet. We haven't checked our email. We're going to hang up from the podcast. We're like, Oh shit. <laughs> we should have watched. We should, <laughs> we should have watched all of that. Um, all of our invective a little bit more carefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. But that's uh, the it's, reality, it's, right? Like that's, that's where we're at now. It's, it's, I think that people are more thoughtful in regards to thinking about themselves. And it's not a selfish thing. You know, you thinking it's a selfish thing is that mentality of the old school way of thinking. It's at the end of the day, you know, you, it's up to you, whether you're going to survive, whether you're going to be successful, whether you're going to have that house, whether you're going to have that car, whether you're going to have those, those toys, whether they're electronics or, or whatever it is you do, whatever your hobby is, you know, it comes down to you. I think, I think it's kind of silly when people talk about being selfless. There is no such thing as total altruism. It does not exist. Even mother Teresa, the reason she was so helpful to others is because it gave her something in return. It satisfied Something inside her, it satisfied a, a, a want, a desire to help people. That's where she got her happiness from. That's where she drew it from. And there's no such, like, yes, of course I'm selfish and I want to help others. But for me, in order for me to reach a point in life where I can be of any help to others, I need to first make sure that I'm taken care of. I need to first make sure that I have a solid foundation for myself, for the people that I care most about. And then, okay, I can look around and I say, you know what? Things are pretty good. Let me, let, let me, let me, you know, what, what, what can I do for somebody else? And maybe I don't do that, right? Some people don't like to do that. Some people have billions of dollars. They don't like to help anybody. They want to take it to the grave. That's what they want to do. That's, that's how they want to live their lives. It is what it is. Um, I just, I, I think, you know, th this whole talk about being selfless and, 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 uh, people who claim, that they're not selfish. I go, no, that that's not true. Like you can't possibly not be selfish. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, there's no way. Yep, I think that bitten friends said it best, where there's no such thing as a selfless good deed. Hmm. Now I do think, however, it is important for people to uh, recognize that there's a difference. So when somebody grants you a favor, let's say. It's important to to understand that there's a difference between a gesture and a move. And I think people need to pay attention to that because sometimes you think that somebody's being nice and they're mm -hmm. and they're doing this nice gesture, but really it's just a move. It's such they're just moving a piece on the chessboard because they're setting you up to get something in return. And some people can't figure that out. And what I hate is <clears throat> perfect example of this is, uh, and actually this is something that I always, always call people out on on social media. I've been, um, basically ruthless with, with, uh, whenever I see somebody do this, you see these people who are posting these, uh, videos or pictures with someone that they helped because like, whatever, like I saw a guy with this post with the, uh, put up a picture of him with some other guy and they're at, uh, some store and he's like, Oh, this guy right here. Uh, earlier this year was homeless. He was, uh, struggling to find work, blah, blah, blah. Gave the whole sob story. And, uh, now he has a job, but he still doesn't have enough to, 
to purchase a professional wardrobe. So I took him out and I bought him two suits and five shirts. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, you like, that's just filthy. You're using this guy's, um, um, uh, um, hardship to advertise yourself. Like, what, how you can't possibly be a bigger piece of shit than that. Yep. There's and no, there's is, no, I, I can't, I can't use sophisticated language to describe that scenario. It, yep. it is what it is. We see this a lot with regular folk, but we see this all the time with celebrities. And you have some celebrities calling out each other about this. And it's true because that's just like, you know, the ultimate dick move. It's like, come on, just. Oh, God. Just, just take a step back. At that point, it's like, are you really helping them? Are you really, really helping no. them? Like, you're not. It's, uh, it's just ridiculous. That, that is, it's, it, um, I just can't with that either. It's ad, it's advertisement. And, uh, on the on the flip side of that, there are people who don't they they never learn. Like these are people who really, uh, from what I've seen, struggle in life. I, I know people that I'm. There are people that I'm very close to that I've seen fall prey to this error time and time again. It's like I'm talking. These aren't young people. These are people twice as old as me, and they just can't ever figure it out. They're constantly taken advantage of, and yeah. so the same way. I say there's a difference between a gesture and a move, and we need to be able to distinguish between the two. I say that there's also a difference between being nice and being naive and letting people take advantage of you. Like I know people who have been used more than Google and they still can't figure it out. They still have people taking advantage of them and their lives are very rough. You know, they, 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 they keep falling on their face. They build themselves back up. Somebody else finds a way to screw them over and over and over. The cycle never ends. It's like, um, there's, um, what, what's, you know, what's, what's the saying? How, how does it go? Fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. I'm a dumbass or something like yeah, that. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. I, I think I paraphrased. <laughs> it's, uh, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. Uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me once, sh- fool me twice, shame on me. Cause if yeah. you fell for it twice, shame yeah, on you. Sorry. I flip it. You're right. <laughs> right. <laughs> fool me once, shame yeah. on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and that's the thing. And that's, here's, you know, with that said, you recognizing these things doesn't make you an asshole. If someone's going to be taking advantage of you, if someone is going to be uh, not genuine, disingenuine with you, and you call them out, that doesn't make you an asshole. Call people out it, if you have to. Sure. Yeah, I think that's... Um really a necessary skill to develop a helpful skill. I wouldn't say necessary because you could just walk away. Yeah. But I think in certain cases it's a helpful skill to develop. Okay. Let's, let's talk, let's, let's link this to sales. Uh, I, I know people, luckily I've never been in this position, but I know people who have taken over territories where the previous rep was a gift giver. Mm-hmm. The previous rep walks into a clinic, takes some lunch, takes some coffee, takes some cookies, takes some, whatever they, they, they take them. And they never get any business and they just get used over and over and over again. And at some point, you, the rep, have to walk in and say and have and you have to have a conversation about that. Yeah. Right. And so and so the last place you want to be as a sales rep is you, you want you don't you don't want to take over a territory that was run by a gift giver because all these people have 
tons of expectations of you, but the moment you place any expectations on them, you're going to come off as maybe a jerk, not a nice guy, uh, fill in the blank with whatever adjective you like. They're not going to be very fond of you to say the least. Yeah. And, um, that's a result of someone spineless who never confronted the situation, just kept walking in there and repeating the cycle. Not a good cycle. Yeah. And it's a very hard cycle to break from. I've been so lucky in the few years that I've been doing sales that I haven't been in that situation, but I've seen it with friends and colleagues and it's just, it's tough to see. For sure. Yeah. And you see it in life. You see it a lot with young people too. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when one, when one friend has got more than the others and everybody just nibbles on them, yeah. uh, you, you see that a lot with young people and young people really need to figure that out. They really need to identify who their friends are. Uh, and, and if they're not your friend, you just get rid of them. You leave friends behind. I, it's okay. I leave, I've left so many friends behind. I'll drop somebody right now if I have to. Yeah. It, uh, it just, it just doesn't matter. I'm moving up in life. If you don't want to move up with me, that's your problem. I leave friends behind all the time. You know, anytime I feel like somebody's <clears throat> trying to take advantage, I'm over that person. It's it's just it's 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 I move on. I'm like, see ya. It's nice think, knowing you. It was yeah, and I think that this is a perfect time to kind of like start talking and wrapping things up because at the end of the day, you need to do what's best for yourself. You need to look at your life and see it as a process. You know, as a as a younger person, what do you want to do? Going back to, you know, how much money do you want? What do you want in life? And strive to reach that goal. Um, strive above it, but strive for that at the very least. Um, you need to recognize when you're being taken advantage of. You need to recognize that, you know, the company you work for might not have your best interest in for you. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all hard work. Nothing comes easy. You have to work hard regardless of what you do. Um, and, you know, it's it's in business and making money. At the end of the day, it really is the, the money, sorry, the power and the energy, the blood, the sweat, the tears that you put into it. You're going you're, you're gonna to get it back in some shape, way, or form. Um, and, you know, I think that the other thing is for you to be happy in life is to find many revenue streams because one revenue stream can abruptly end if 2020 taught mm. anything to anyone is that something could end just like that that's right i'll add just one more thing to that don't be afraid to look like an idiot it's a necessary milestone uh, as you're growing that's that, that that's a that's a hugely important one um the amount of times that I've looked like an idiot and it's I'm fine with it at this point. Um, you know, and that's why I'm very comfortable putting on this podcast, sending it out to the mass audience and, you know, they can say and do whatever they want. Um, because it's just, you got to live with yourself at the end of the day. Um, you know, and you got to at least be authentic with yourself, be happy with yourself. Um, and if that means that at some point you're going to try something new and look dumb, then look dumb, you know, never be afraid to ask questions. That's something that I've seen so often. How many times people can't strive and get the best because they're afraid to ask questions because they're afraid to look like an idiot. There's a Lebanese saying, which means ask more and look less. Something That's like awesome. that. Search less. Search would be a better way to put it. Ask more and search less. 
I love it. All right, Jamil, <laughs> tell our listen, my listeners, how they can find you, where they can find you, where they can listen to you, and what you, you know where you're at. Uh, yeah, perfect. It's um, everything is the Barbar Show, and so YouTube.com slash the Barbar Show, Anchor.fm slash the Barbar Show. You'll have you'll find all the links there for audio platforms. But uh, primarily, my, my main well, I wouldn't say there's main. I'm I'm on YouTube if you want to watch, and I'm on audio if you want to listen. And uh, same thing for my Instagram. Everything else is uh, uh, Instagram.com slash the Barbar Show. Everything is slash the Barbar Show. And I'll put all the little links on my show description. And I hope, and first off, I want to thank you so much. It was a great discussion. So much fun talking about real stuff, talking about people's lives. Um, You know, this is, again, something that a lot of people aren't comfortable with. But I feel like, you know, sometimes people need that motivation. And if this show can 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 help you then i'll be happy with the show uh, but i want to thank you and i hope that we can get you back on and we can have this chat and then some again oh man i'd love to thank you for having me and that's the interview i hope that you enjoyed you know we got in depth we got a little loony at times um but i hope that you enjoyed that uh so you know as I mentioned, we're going to be doing these 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 types of things. We're going to change things up. We're going to change the format. You can always expect the news episode every Sunday, but that special episode midweek, we're going to change things up. You know, sometimes it's going to be the full group. Sometimes it's going to be one-on-one. So, you know, we're going to try to change things up and let us know what you want to talk about. If you want to come on the show, we're happy to have you on um you know we are expanding what we talk about because we are the pop culture the one-stop shop for all your pop culture news and needs because we are the it's canon podcast so what's the best way you can find us you can find us on the interwebs you can find us on social media and you can find us anywhere on twitter instagram facebook and that's at it's canon podcast uh you can also find us uh on you know you can subscribe please subscribe helps us a lot helps the findability and searchability of the podcast and it opens the doors up because this year one of the things i really want to do is open this show up a little more and monetize and that will give you the listeners a better show the more time that i can spend on the show the better it's going to be for everyone Um, and i have some ideas for this but we need to get you know, more eyes on this show. And the best way to do that is downloading the show, subscribing, leaving a review, leaving a rating. That would really help. You can find us on Amazon. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts. Leave a rate and review and subscribe. And that's going to help us tremendously. Um, and, uh, you know, th- that I would really appreciate that. So without further ado, Thank you so much. It's a pleasure always chatting with anyone, including myself, because it's the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things, everything, the podcast where we talk about video games, comic books, books, um, toys. We talk about Muppets. We talk about Lego. We talk about life. We talk about finances. talk about cryptocurrency and so much more. And the best part of it all is that it's all in canon. On behalf of Tyler and Phil, I'm Boris. This is the It's Canon Podcast. Good night.